When I was in the second or third grade, uh, I was in Spokane, Washington, a great big school. I don't, there was probably like two or three hundred kids just in the school, and uh, for some reason, I had to wear a black, I, I don't even know why I wore it. One day I wore a black shirt from my dad's to school, and it had writing all over it, and it was too big for me to wear, but I was supposed to be wearing the shirt. I don't know what everybody else had in mind or what everybody else's shirt was wearing, what everybody else was wearing on their shirt, but I knew something about my shirt. I knew that it was a special shirt. I knew that their principal appreciated the shirt. I knew because I got drug around to every single classroom and that whole grade school, and I stood there, so I was popular in front of a whole bunch of kids that I didn't know. Everybody could read my shirt, though I think mainly the teachers were the only ones who really understood it. And I knew that that shirt was, was important and special because I got an ice cream bar because I wore that shirt, even though I had no idea what that shirt meant. You want to know what it said? You probably have heard this before, but it said, whoever has the most toys when he dies wins. And for whatever reason, that the principal thought that was the greatest thing and showed everybody. Uh, throughout life, I've come across this in a similar way. It says, whoever has the most toys when he dies, still dies. Has anybody ever seen that before? Yeah, whoever has the most toys when he dies, he still dies. And that's kind of what we're looking at today. Jesus is going to be talking to specifically a couple of brothers, but ultimately to the disciples and the, the great crowd of people about the importance of living your life now to make it count for later. Because all the stories, treasures that we store up now and all the things we do to make life comfortable for now, we really enjoy those things. But they don't have any impact on what's coming later. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. I'm just going to read a couple verses at a time as we go through this. So Luke chapter 12. Verses 13 through 15. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So right there you have the, the, the contradiction to my very popular ice cream bar winning t-shirt. Uh, that says, whoever has most toys when he dies wins. Jesus is telling these guys, man's life does not consist of his possessions. It's nice that you have those things, but they, they're not why you're put here on earth to collect and add to my storehouses to make my life more comfortable. That when you die, they do not go with you. Uh, I think we probably all understand that. You know, the pharaohs, they would store treasures and gold and all these jewels thinking when I go, and at some point, I'm going to get these to come and go with me. But you know, people have found the tombs or the, the pyramids, and they've dug down deep, and guess what they found? All the treasures that were left by the pharaohs, because that kind of stuff does not go with you. And so Jesus, uh, these two brothers are asking Jesus, why don't you decide, or would you please decide between us, make a decision? Because back then, a rabbi or a teacher had the authority to do that. They had the authority to determine what kind of a legal truth and the, the people had to live by what he said. But Jesus says, I'm not interested in that. I'm not getting involved. The whole problem with you two is that it's all about greed. One of you, if not both of you, is showing this. Now, we don't know specifically what the issue was, uh, but we can deduce kind of what could be going on. Uh, the older brother, and, and back in that culture, is when the inheritance got passed down, the older brother got a double portion, and then all the other siblings got to 
divide the rest. So that would mean Noah would get twice as much as Caleb. And I'm sorry, Daisy. Where are you, Daisy? I'm sorry, Daisy, but you wouldn't get the, the double portion. You're the oldest daughter, but Nick would get the double portion. Everybody else would get to split what was left. And that, that happens the same uh, in every family where there's an older brother, the sisters and all the other ones just get to split what's, whatever's left over. And so this older brother could possibly say, you know what, I know what the code is or what the law is, but I'm not going to share anything with my younger brother, which probably happened quite a bit because who's going to make him? But it could also be the younger brother saying, okay, I know what, what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to be happy with only half as much as what my brother's getting. But Jesus, why don't you tell this guy to divide up the inheritance so that I can have more? One guy wants to either keep everything he has or one person wants more than he's entitled to. But either way, there's a greed because they're saying money is more important than the person that I'm dealing with here. So that's, that's kind of the situation. But instead of Jesus getting involved and making a decision, which was, going, was not going to make anybody happy, he says, I'm going to share a parable with you. Hey, brothers, listen up, because this has to do with your situation. Hey, disciples, listen up, because this is something that you will understand. Hey, everybody else, I'm talking to you too. This is something that you will understand, and it's the parable of the rich man. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. And he told them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a crop. He thought to himself, hmm, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, Josh, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now, I'm not a farmer, right? Probably pretty obvious. Um, I'm, I'm not a rancher. I'm not, but I know enough about that kind of lifestyle to say uh, that it's hard work, right? I know that when, when farmers and ranchers, and they go out and they put the, the crops in the ground or they're trying to raise animals, that that's not easy. You, you get up every day and you, you wonder, uh, are, my, are my plants going to grow? You have to worry about the rain. You have to worry about the bugs. You've got to worry about fire and hail. And you, gotta, you have all these stresses and all these worries. And then when it comes time to paying or, or reaping the benefit of my crop, Anybody get less than what you were hoping for or what less than you bargained for or said it wasn't even worth harvesting that? And that could possibly happen. Uh, I know in Davenport, uh, the wheat crop pays a lot better, it seems, than it does here, or it grows a lot better. There's a lot more moisture in the ground. And so farmers say it's worth it to cut the, hay, the wheat, and we're going to take it to market here. It doesn't seem to be the case. But this man, he's a rich man. He's planted a crop, and all of a sudden, He's got more than he knows what to do with. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say this guy was probably an honest guy. He was probably diligent, and he was probably hardworking. He was the guy who got up every day, and he went to work. He made sure his machinery worked. He made sure that he put the best fertilizer, the best chemicals, whatever it took to make his crop work, he did that. He was hardworking, and he was determined he was going to do a good job. He probably had lots of good years and lots of bad years, but this year was a bumper crop, and he did even better. And he goes, boy, boy, this is all paying off. I put in all the time and effort, and now look, I can take life easy. I can eat, drink, and be merry. 
I can probably retire, right? Because he's got several years that he doesn't have to worry about this. So he gets out his catalog book, and he starts looking for what's the biggest thing, grain bin I think I can buy that I can fill up with my grain and all my goods. And he starts to drool, and he just is so excited because he just knows money is no object. He can do whatever he wants because he has all these resources. But this is just a parable. This is just a story told to teach a lesson. Everybody in that culture would understand how this guy might be feeling, because if, if, he, if anybody in that position who had a bumper crop, who had more than he knew what to do with, probably faced that temptation that, oh, finally, I can sit back and I can relax because I have everything that I need. And that's, that's what kind of makes it fun about living in a farming uh, community, because this is a picture that we can understand as well. Not that anybody here probably does that, but we can understand what it, how much work goes into a farm or into a ranch. We can get to the point where we say, oh good, now I can, I put in 40 years or 20 years or, or whatever in order to get this crop, I'm going to take it easy. And, but it wasn't bad that this man grew this crop. It was great. It wasn't bad that this man had so much that he knew, didn't know what to do with. It wasn't bad that this man was going to be able to retire. The problem with this man was he was only thinking about himself. In verses 17 through 19, he says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store up all my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Me, myself, and I, right? I'm taking care of me. I've done all the work. I deserve all this because I have put the time into it. And I imagine that's kind of what he's feeling. And it's, it's great that he, he has succeeded, but he's only thinking about himself. And the problem here you find in verse 20 is that his life ended sooner than he anticipated. He'd put in all this time, finally got this bumper crop, and he's thinking, great, now from this point on I'm going to take life easy and he didn't know that at that moment or at that night, his life was going to end. And Jesus says, you fool. He's a fool because he planned only for this life. Now, planning for this life makes a lot of sense, right? How many people here have plans for this life? I have a retirement. I have a 401k. I have something so that when I get old enough, I don't have to work my fingers to the bone anymore, right? I have plans too. You know, we have a house in Davenport. I am planning to pay off that house because if something happens to me, Leslie's not going to get up here and start preaching. She's not going to be living next door. She's going to have to go somewhere. And so I want her to be able to go home and live there, at least have the house paid off, and then she can make life work however. Having plans are okay. You have them. I have them. I agree with them. But the reason this guy is a fool is because he did not plan for eternity. All he was thinking about, how can I get more and more comfortable, more and more stuff to make my life easier? And he never made things right with God. He never got to the point where he was going to trust Jesus for his salvation because his life was demanded from him, but it didn't say that he went to heaven. It just says his life was demanded and he's a fool because he didn't prepare. So he didn't prepare for eternity, but he also didn't, uh, for salvation, but also he didn't do anything that was going to send rewards ahead of him for, for him when he got there. He never did anything for God, not with his time, not with his money, not with his resources. 
He was just all about me. What do I want? What can I have? What's going to make me happy? Uh, what he could have been doing, as you find in James chapter 2, 27, is looking, it says to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. Because back then, they didn't have government help. They didn't have all these resources, food stamps and WIC and all these kind of things to bail you out if you needed help. The only place you got help was from your families or from someone like this who says, hey, I see a need, let me help you. And so this guy says, I don't care about these people. I don't know how they got in the situations that they're in, but I know what I did to get myself here, and so I'm going to be happy here, and I'm going to make, take the most use of it that I can. But the man even died without enjoying his own excess, success. Even though the world would have said this guy was a success. He died, he had all this money. The world would say, man, you won. You won the game. You had the most toys when you died. That's, that's the way to go. That's the world's point of view. But that's not God's point of view. And we could be like the rich man. We may not ever say that I'm a rich person or that I have uh, so much that I don't ever have to work again. But we can be like him in that we say, I have more than I need, and I'm only going to look out for myself. Uh, we, you, may be, you may be able to sell off all your, your land. You may be able to w- win the lottery. You may just uh, win the stock market or something. And you just end up with more than you need or than, than it takes to get by. And I know the temptation because I'm in it too. The temptation is, okay, just a little bit more of a cushion a little bit more of a cushion. I know something tragic is going to happen. And so I just want more and more of a cushion so that if something happens, I can still have something left over. So we can be like this rich man. We can think only about ourselves. Now, when I look at you, I don't think and say, boy, you look like you only worry about yourself. I mean, I I have no idea. I don't know your bank accounts. I don't look and think, boy, they should be giving more. They should be doing more. That's not even my responsibility. But I would just say, hey, tune into God, and what is he telling you right now? Hey, Josh, are you keeping aside a little too much, or are you willing to, to give to support or help other people? Because there's a point where I can say, I have everything I need. Now, what do I do with the extra money that I have? I know. I'll buy a nicer car. I'll buy fancier clothes. I'll buy bigger and better toys. Because even adults, right, we can have big boy toys that we want to have as well. It's not just for the kids. But at what point do we say, enough is enough? At what point do I say, I have enough money, I have enough stuff, and so now I can turn around and help somebody else? The, the, the parable doesn't say, but I, it doesn't say how much this guy put into his farm, but I imagine that this guy, because all he could think about was himself, was he just put in time only in this project. He didn't consider how the rest of the world was functioning. That was his whole life goal was to store up his treasure so finally he could get to the point where he says he has enough. Our end, just like the farmer, the rich farmer, can come sooner than we expect. Uh, you know, Daryl passed away. I don't think yesterday he was anticipating that. I don't think he was planning on that. And I, I hate to think every week, every time the phone rings, I have this fear, like, what happened to somebody? Who was in an accident? Who, who passed away? Who's, who's in a situation where life is not going... It's not looking good because I know life comes and it's going to end sooner than I expect. But we have to remember that death is not a respecter of persons. You know, kids, young kids die. Old people die. Uh, People die who are healthy. It doesn't matter what our race is. It doesn't matter what our status is. 
But we are all going to get off the earth the same way, and that's through death, and nothing we have is going to take with us. There's, uh, the man who builds his kingdom leaves his kingdom here when he dies. Uh, I don't know how many people here like Skittles, but uh, Leslie's grandpa, when he, before he passed away, he, they lived next door for about two years, and near the end of his life, I, I think the older he got, the worse he could taste, but he always enjoyed Skittles. And so he always has Skittles beside the side of his bed. Caleb, I've told you, is a sweet tooth. I mean, he's got a bigger sweet tooth than probably all of you put together. And he was always trying to get Grandpa Skittles, and he's saying, no, you can't get them. Well, the, the sad, happy day uh, came when Grandpa died, and he went to be with the Lord, and we were right next door, so we brought Caleb and Noah over to say goodbye and kind of explain, you know, this, he, his body is here, but he is up in heaven. And Noah just, you know, kind of touched his arm, and it was, was kind of a, a, an emotional thing. And, and Caleb, he got to thinking about those Skittles. And he says, so Grandpa, he doesn't need to eat anymore? No. And, you know, Grandpa's not coming back, right? He says, so can I have those Skittles? But guess what? He's exactly right. Grandpa's not going to take those Skittles. You can throw the whole casket full of Skittles. And he's not, none of that is going with him. Okay, Leslie didn't like that comment. But the thing is, Caleb was getting the clue that this life, Everything I have here stays here. Nothing gets to go with me. What's it all going to matter when I die? I mean, I know if I have millions or thousands of dollars and I have great big cars and a great big house, when I die, my kids are going to appreciate that a whole lot. But what is that going to mean for me when I get to heaven? I'm not going to sit up in heaven and brag about, guess what I had? I had this Xterra next door and I had you know, $20,000, and I had retirement, and I had all these different things, we're going to be like, we're going to be thinking, like, who cares about all this stuff? Because look what I have. We are all going to die at some point, and it's most likely going to come unexpectedly. So don't be like the farmer who died unexpectedly without knowing Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's time to make things right so that you can have that relationship with him, and so that when you die, you have an eternal place that you're going to go, that you want to go, because you've got the choice of hell, and you don't want to go there, but the eternal choice in heaven is where you want to go. Don't be like the rich farmer who died unexpectedly without being rich towards God, meaning this guy did absolutely nothing for him. He didn't store up any treasures in heaven. And there's a few different ways we can store up treasures in heaven. We can store up treasures in heaven by what we do for God. When we teach a Sunday school class, guess what we're doing? Storing up treasures in heaven. When we help with VBS, we're storing treasures in heaven. Uh, I, I remember uh, last year, I don't know if Sharon remembers this, but at White Cross, we were making all these bandages. And I was, I was mentioning that, you know, you have a portfolio uh, and I, for, for your earthly finances, and you use little stocks, little bonds, little cash and cash equivalent. <laughs> you know what? I think of like a heavenly portfolio, uh, or portfolio. I was... I taught Sunday school. I helped in Awana. I, I had led Bible study. I told these people about Jesus. And you got like a heavenly portfolio, a white cross. It doesn't seem like much. You're cutting up these little bandages. But in Jesus' name, it goes to these people. And it's an opportunity for them to hear the gospel. I know a, a missionary who drills. Uh, he, he, he gets churches in America to support uh, drilling water wells for like in India. Because he uses that. Because they don't have just fresh drinking water. They got to they got to 
dig a deep hole and use the bucket or, or however, but now they get this fresh, well, all you got to do is this hand crank thing, and he uses that to say, hey, people love you. Jesus loves you. That's why you have this fresh drinking water. So all the things that we do using our time, our talents, and our abilities are one way to store treasures in heaven. So I want you to ask yourself, am I storing up treasures in heaven by what I'm doing? Here inside this church or outside the church? Because it doesn't just happen in here. Because ultimately, you're going to be the one in charge of if you have done that. I can't store up treasures for Anita. Anita can't store up treasures for Tegan. Tegan can't store up treasures for Emil, right? It's all about me and what I do, storing up treasures for myself when I get there. But the, the, the main focus of this is in greed. Because you know, the hardest thing for people to part with, and I admit myself, is money. But I got to say, you know, I, I see this church as a giving church. Because I think about the Awana store. And we're going to have that on Thursday. And last year, it just blew my mind. I don't think anybody in the history of Awana, in the history of the whole entire world, in this 50 years has ever had an Awana store like they had last year. I am not kidding. The, the gifts that were donated, I know cost money. It costs lots of money. And in order to get all that together, so I say, you're storing up treasures in heaven when you do that. When you're supporting a missionary, you're support, storing up treasures in heaven. Now, it's great to pray for a missionary. It's great to send them cards. But you know what? A missionary still needs money because they can't take a prayer to the, the store, right? They can't buy gas on a prayer. God can provide that because, yes, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But part of how he meets that need is with us and our financial resources. If you see somebody who needs a financial need met and you used to help them, you're storing up treasures in heaven. Uh, supporting a kid like Chain of Love, uh, there's, there's kids who uh, can be supportive uh, so that they can eat and that they can have clothes. Those, that's just another way. Now, it might, be, it might be like, well, you're right. You know what? I can only give a, a few dollars, you know, or I can't give as much as somebody else. But it really doesn't take much because when, in Luke chapter 21, verse 2, which I think in about a year and a half we'll get to that, uh, there was a widow who gave two tiny copper coins. And there's people dumping in tons and tons of money. And compared to, like, what if you could just keep those two little pennies that you have because they don't add anything to it. I mean, we all know a dollar bill is worth more than two pennies, and if you dump a ton of those. But Jesus said this woman gave far more than what those people had. She gave all she had to live on. She gave a higher percentage of what she had. So it doesn't matter if you say well, it's only 10 bucks, or it's only $50, or it's only $2. If you give financially, you'll be storing up treasures up in heaven. Now, I'm not trying to tell anybody here what to do with your money, because I know that's a bad idea. I know there's lots of churches, uh, Leslie's found online, about, like, you know, give me, give me your money, and they're dancing on the money, and they're all excited, and you know they're just patting their pockets with that money. I'm not trying to tell anybody to do, what to do with your money. What I'm trying to tell you to do is to do what God wants you to do with your money, because ultimately it's his, and he says, I will bless you if you're willing to do that. Uh, some, of, some of you got a, a bulletin. It has a story on it. It's, uh, not everybody has the same, but it, it talks about a man, uh, John Wesley, who, who did this. He was a single guy. He did this better than anybody else that I can think of. But he was a guy who he had the opportunity to, uh, he, because he was single, he just bought whatever he wanted. And there's some maid or somebody who came, and she was cold. She, had, she hardly had a coat to wear. And he's like, 
Oh, I've got a couple bucks I can give you. And through that, God ended up speaking to him, saying, you know what? You don't need to keep putting these pictures in your houses. You don't need to keep trying to make life and life more and more comfortable here. So he says, okay, well, I make, I'm going to live off a certain amount. So like 28, some little money sign. I'll say like 28 francs or $28. And he says, whatever I make, I'll give that to, to the missions. Or I'll give that to other people. And as he kept increasing the amount of money that he got, he says, I'm still going to keep living off of 28, off of 28. So he got 30, he got 60, he got 100, and he just kept giving the rest of, rest of it away uh, to, to, to the poor, to meeting people's needs. And that's, that's a great thing to shoot for. I, I, I think that would be really difficult to do, but it's, this is a guy who says, you know what? All I need is what I need for today and what I need to live on. I'm going to store up. And I, I can't imagine what his, heaven, his home in heaven looks like. All those treasures, all those that finances that he gave away, he's reaping the awards of that right now because he stored his, uh, his uh, rewards up in heaven. I'm just going to close with this quote. I think this is a really honorable thing to shoot for, and I have to shoot for it myself. Uh, but he says, John Wesley, again, he says, Do all you can, by all the measure you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times that you can, to all the people that you can, as long as you ever, as long as ever that you can. Our goal is not to try to make this life better. Our goal is to make sure that we are making the next life better. Uh, the shirt said, uh, whoever stores up the most toys on this earth when he dies wins. Let me tell you, whoever stores up the most treasures up in heaven when he dies has really won the game. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for what you have given us. God, you, you've given us all uh, places to live. You've given us cars. You've given us jobs. You've given us more than we need. And I, I have more than I need as well, God. And I know the struggle to, to try to, to give and to try to keep and I just pray that, God, you would show each of us what do you want us to do with the, the gifts that you gave us, God. You've blessed us so much, and you want us to use these resources to bless other people. God, I, I know life is going to end unexpectedly, so I just pray that we would all be ready by making you as our Savior and trusting you for salvation and by storing up the treasures in heaven so that when we get there, God, that we are, we are blessed by that as well. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you're doing so much for us and help us to return the, the blessing to you as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.